Hey there, friends and family. This is the Libertarian Podcast, episode 12, uh, first one of 2021. Um, and we are starting off with a double header. First time we have two guests. We have Matt, Liberty Empathy, and Reed Coverdale, the Naturalist Capitalist. Fellas, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy to be on Yeah. Well, uh, I think uh, I think we, we got some things brewing. Um, Reed especially got some things fired up this year, or starting off this year with fire, so to speak. And and Matt, you've been involved in some conversations that we've had and, and uh, some group chats on Twitter that we uh, we have a lot of hope for, for what's coming up in 2021, right, guys? Yeah, we sure do. So um, we definitely like uh, like the vision that we're trying to set forward and push for in, in 2021. And Rita, why don't, why don't you kick us off with some of the things that you are hoping to uh, continue doing after you started uh, today on fire? Did we lose Reed? Oh, we might have. Matt, maybe you can... Maybe you, you take over for a second. You see, you tell me what you what you envision for the year right now. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Um. As as far as you know, the stuff we're trying to do, as far as the the Amash Gabbard stuff, you know, that's been pretty exciting, and I think it's been moving quickly. Um, when we first started that group chat on Twitter, was that just the three of us at the beginning? Um. I. I think so. I think me and uh, me, you and Reed kind of got a group chat going after I was on one of Reed's podcasts um, where we talked the religion one. And I think that evolved into us talking about, you know, what steps we want to see uh, in the Libertarian Party future. And, and I think I think Amash Gabbard was mentioned there a couple times, but then we both got pulled into the, the bigger chat that's been uh, been brewing and just flinging flinging things all over the place yeah yeah it's growing a lot it's growing quickly and then what someone someone just purchased a, a web domain yesterday right i i think so i'm not sure if that actually went, oh yeah yeah i did yeah it actually did go through but uh we're uh, we're gonna see what we're gonna do with that what steps we're gonna move forward with that and hopefully we can help build some build some small fires um that can hopefully spread and and do the two things that I've talked to you, both you guys about, start some conversations and, and actually take some action and actually apply uh, our beliefs to what we're doing in our day-to-day. Um, Reed, do we have you back yet? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you now. All right. Uh, yeah. Reed? We, the um, Amash Gabbard thing has a lot of steam. We've got a Facebook group with almost 500 members, even though it's only a few weeks old, and we've got over 1500 what are we up oh, can you hear me yep we got you again uh <laughs> reed's got uh, some internet connections but we'll keep them on we'll, we'll try to forge through it yeah um i was saying the uh twitter following on the idea has got like 1800 followers on the page right now i think and we've gotten Justin Amash himself interested in going on Joe Rogan with Tulsi Gabbard. And uh, we've got uh, people from 
kind of high up in the libertarian circles who are interested in it. And Spike Cohen has said he'll sit down and talk to her. And uh, then on top of that, just the unity that we're starting to see in the liberty movement, finally. Uh, I feel like people are looking at the left and they're realizing that that's not the movement we should try to emulate that you know that's kind of self-destructive and it looks like the liberty movement is trying to buy and realize who the enemy is so it's all really exciting stuff it's exactly what has to happen for us to ever win or go anywhere yeah i, I agree yeah go for it matt oh no i was just saying i i agree completely and you know i know i know there are uh, very good uh, people in the liberty movement who probably have uh, a lot of reservations about Gabbard and some even have some reservations about Amash. Um, and, you know, if, if, if I had a, a magic wand and I could pick, like, the dream ticket, um, you know, just for, like, my personal ideology, I, I'll even say that, you know, this wouldn't necessarily be it. But, you know, uh, we've talked before. I, I think me and Reed have had some exchanges on Twitter about how, you know, myself and i think him included uh would be pretty fundamentalist libertarians but don't necessarily see that as a winning strategy going forward and a much more pragmatic and you know the people we want to see leading the charge you know uh gabbard's gonna bring in a lot more votes than many really very good libertarians have the ability to bring in and she is very good on some issues so you know i think that's the thing with this sort of ticket is there's other tickets that might be better, pure libertarian tickets, but who have no chance of actually moving the needle of liberty. And this ticket could do that. I mean, this this would be the most successful libertarian ticket to ever run, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I think that's uh, the big thing that we're seeing is is people um, kind of understanding at least at least some on the ground level of that like hey these may not be ideal candidates for everybody for me um it's pretty close i'm kind of a kind of a mosh fanboy um and gabbard has got a lot of good things going for it definitely has a lot of appeal but i i completely 100 understand the reservations um in a lot of ways and a lot of that kind of comes down to some things that I mean, I know Reed and I have talked about Matt, maybe you and I have talked about it too, but just like sometimes it comes down to like party identification. People don't like the taste of uh, a Democrat uh, coming in to run VP under the, the LP flag, just like they don't like the, you know, uh, GOP people jumping in just on, on the LP's, uh, um, you know, uh, ballot access, which is a lot of, which was some of the pushback that people had for Amash when he did his exploratory committee. And, and that's where, you know, we're not that, at that stage yet, but that's where the detriment and the, and the shortcomings of party, you know, of, of a party name or party identification uh, really impedes things. Um, but I do think seeing people even just today, and I know it's it's very optimistic for to base a lot of the future on a single day, but I honestly have seen a lot of a lot of positivity towards open conversations where there weren't before, and I think that's something that that is going to drive things forward um, to a lot of different places and really um, bring 
uh, bring a lot more progress and, and, and success in, in spreading the liberty voice or broadening the liberty voice and expanding the liberty movement. Um, it definitely is a, a great sign to see some of the things that happened today on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. I think one is that it's important that the idea um, that liberty only comes from a small subset of the Republican Party, uh, it's important that that idea dies for liberty to expand because it doesn't. I mean, <laughs> you know, it. Uh, I think Tulsi is probably the best example you could have of someone who served in the federal government from the left who really believes in liberty. Um, you know, and I think Vermin Supreme kind of expanded that um, that that concept running this year. And then even, you know, Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, they really did not run a campaign that pandered to the right. And I, I didn't really think it pandered to the left. There were a couple moments maybe where I would have, you know, phrased things a little differently, but they really drew the liberty movement as something that is not Republican or Democrat. It's completely separate. And I think there was a lot of pushback on that from some, uh, you know, some old guard libertarians who tend who tend to come from the GOP. I don't think they liked some of that messaging change, but I think it's here to stay. And uh, going on to like the second part of what you were talking about, um, the uh, the Twitter exchange today between David Smith and Spike Cohen was really encouraging to see because um, I think Dave can be mistaken for being a Republican because he's such a big Ron Paul fan, but I really don't think that's true. I think he just really hates the woke shit. That's <laughs> what I'd say, you know? <laughs> so uh, I, I think he's totally for the open idea of liberty, you know, coming from any, any position, but um he doesn't like the uh yeah i mean nobody likes that i agree with him you know like whenever anybody engages in that type of dialogue or that type of cancel culture i mean we all just hate it um so it was really encouraging to see him and spike kind of make pretty big uh statements you know to each other and seem to make concessions and move on and i hope that we continue to see that it's a great thing to see on uh, new year's day Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it's it's uh like I said, it's early on, but it's very hopeful, and and kind of reaching back to what you said about the old guard uh, libertarians. A lot of them seem to kind of come from the uh, Republican background. Um, I agree with that, and I think that I think that part of that comes with uh, they're they're. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this in the in the best way, but they come over with the the former mentality of anybody left of center is not for right. liberty. And I think that <clears throat> where where a lot of that resistance comes from, outside of the fact that honestly we're uh, libertarians in general are pretty opinionated people. <laughs> Something that uh, we we have positions that we're very strong on and, and there's not a problem with like standing by your principles with absolute conviction um but i do think some of the some of the older hats and some of the some of the more aggressive in that realm and jay 
those who've come become jaded to the election process itself and, and just the federal government and how it works and the duopoly and how they dominate everything it's it's a valid point to be jaded to all that and to really um be resistant to uh, some of the dialogue that some people think that should be had um especially like whenever they see it in a in a in a way of like hey this is going to compromise my principles and, and that's where it just needs to like we don't have to compromise our principles to have a conversation about making things better and it's always going to be a tough road but it just has to be a moment where you you know don't feel like everybody's attacking you cuz in the in the real sense of the word the fed and the duopoly and the powers that be don't want these conversations had they want us to continue to be resistant to each other yeah and and i think another thing that's worth noting i mean just far too talking about like unity and you know uh left libertarian stuff is i i would uh think of candidate differently for the presidency or for a legislator you know um i would probably as a voter want a more pure if you will libertarian as a legislator but you know if you're if you're running for president or vice president or governor or whatever like your job isn't to make the law you know if if you can install someone in the office that's pretty liberty minded but maybe is weak on let's say uh second amendment that's a big one for libertarians obviously you know someone that's maybe a little weak on second amendment but this person isn't out there drafting legislation that's not their job they're executing the government so the the way i look at those candidates you know i i'm probably have an easier time stomaching someone that i don't necessarily line up with perfectly who's running for an executive office rather than a legislator and so that's why you know the the mosh gabbard thing despite some reservations about gabbard on my part that's what that's why it still has that appeal to me cuz this person i'm not voting for this person to go draft laws that's not why i'm voting for them read you got something on yeah. that or do you want to no yeah let me grab it i mean Go for it, dude. The reason that I campaigned for Tulsi was because she was running for president. Uh, if she were running for mayor, uh, or not mayor, uh, if she were running for, uh, you know, Senate in New Hampshire, um, you know, I might vote for her because there's still a giant overlap of rules, but there are, uh, uh, oh, sorry, of views, but there are mm, some reservations that I would have that I don't have if she's running for president. Um but I think it's also important to realize how much the two parties destroy good people. Um I think if Rand Paul were not a Republican, he would be a much better legislator, a much better uh person in general, you know, like I think it kind of taints his personality, it kind of taints his views, kind of taints um some of his opinions he has if he was free of the GOP i think you'd see a much more pure anti corruption anti establishment rand paul and i also think the same is true about tulsi gabbard i think she, if she were not a democrat uh some of those things like the second amendment and then even some economic uh positions i think you'd see them change because when you are running in a party that is so uh you know so uh 
strictly anti-gun or so you know crazy about the $15 minimum wage or whatever if those aren't your core issues you sort of have to sacrifice them you know uh like you know Rand Paul um I don't think he is as friendly toward Israel as he pretends to be running as a Republican but it's not really his number one issue you know he cares more about ending the wars or he cares more about auditing the Federal Reserve or whatever so he'll talk the nice talk about Israel to keep his fan base happy and he kind of did that with gay marriage too like he he was he wasn't a uh, strict traditional marriage person even before 2012 but he did kind of say like well we can respect the institution of marriage well you know he kind of tiptoed around the issue and that type of stuff is only because of the party he was running in and knowing he had to get elected so if we can get these people to leave their parties if we can be welcoming to them and show them that we have a large amount of overlap with their positions then you know the people like thomas massey and tulsi gabbard and Rand paul and mike lee and maybe even some other democrats and republicans would you know feel more encouraged to leave and we'd see a better side of them but because we've historically been so purist we almost we you know we push them away and uh we just the balls with litmus tests and i think that's the wrong approach and it seems like that's starting to die and that's a good thing yeah and uh, i think there's actually uh you know evidence to exactly what you're talking about when i look at uh Justin Amash, he's been he, he was always good, I think, but he's been so much more fun on Twitter since he left the Republican Party. And Tulsi Gabbard has not left the Democratic Party, but ever since she dropped out of the presidential race and then announced that she was not going to seek you know, re-election to her seat, she's been better. I mean, I, yeah. I, I like her better now for sure than I did a year ago. And probably a year ago, I probably would have said she was my favorite Democrat. But I like her way better now than then. She, like, she's improved since she just kind of cut ties and, like, maybe technically still a Democrat. But since she's walking away from, you know, the elected office and everything, she's been way better. So I, I think there's absolutely evidence to what you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, and I think, and I hope, and I just, this just kind of popped in my head. But, you know, maybe I'm a little slow to the game. But I'm hoping that, uh, that uh, whether whether Tulsi goes independent or NPA um, or even, you know, goes as far as joining the LP, I'm hoping that her and Amash, that noise they're talking about is hopefully going to show is, is hopefully pushing to action the show of you don't have to be part of the big parties to make change and to enact changes and, and to be effective. Cause I think that's probably at some of those those politicians who you can tell have a heart, um, have a heart for liberty and have have a real a true commitment to it, um, but just won't let go of the GOP or just won't let go of the DNC. It's because the duopolies created it to where if you aren't part of that, you're kind of crippled. Um, and I think and I hope what this these next steps that Amash and Gabbard and um, even what we're trying to do on the the lower end of things is to show that. You don't have to be part of the duopoly to make change and you don't have to play their game um and hopefully we can break apart their game and, and maybe that'll you know big big hope here you know like this is super optimi- optimistic and not very likely but hopefully 
the actions that they take and the things that they do will show people like Massey and Brand who have a much more libertarian lean that hey you can still be effective and you can be part of our party and you can actually show what you're you know don't have to be constrained by the boxes of of what the you know the you know the party platforms are and what you should 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 do and you know the all the trumpism that's infected the GOP and and the other things that have kind of you know just distorted things as things go on and kind of ultimately meld them together as both power hungry parties who just want to stay yeah stay on top of things both you know? Amash and Gabbard are emblematic of um, the idea that anti corruption has no place in the duopoly anymore because they do everything they can to get rid of you um you know if Amash had run as a republican for president i mean he would have gotten a very similar treatment to the way she did as a democrat but uh even without that you know they both got pushed out of their parties whether or not she leaves you know she has been effectively pushed out they want absolutely nothing to do with her uh they've completely demonized her they've they've just you know made up lies about her I and mean, it's it's insane and working on her campaign i i don't think i've ever seen anybody maligned as much as she was it blew my mind but um you know if you if you step over the line on the wrong issues the duopoly will crush you and um i think you know number one, we have to show people like tulsi and amash that we support them and that we have um an alternative for them that would actually get support but at the same time you know they've got to play their half of the game too like if um i i'm that's why i'm so proud of amash for becoming a libertarian you know that was just huge because no one else has ever done that you know ron paul has but after he left congress you know no one in congress became a libertarian and doing that was so huge and if Rand Paul or Tulsi Gabbard or Thomas Massey or like any of these people if they do that it uh it, it's it's so valuable and um it does matter unfortunately you know it does matter whether you're a republican or a libertarian just because that group thought mindset uh that controls Washington you know it's not really going to change until that two party system is just completely destroyed and i certainly think that the stage is being set for that you know i think that the <laughs> i you know i hate Mitch McConnell but i love that he's blocking the $2000 payments because it's just going to it's going to cause the implosion of the GOP i mean it's such a suicidal move especially with the Georgia runoff elections and everything um it's just amazing to watch and i think that they're not very long for the living and i don't think the democrat party will be too far behind them because um joe biden has just been snubbing the progressive left so hard i mean he's only chosen one semi progressive cabinet member and she's uh in charge of the department of the interior you know it has nothing to do with finance or healthcare or like the foreign <laughs> policy or anything so i i think that they're i i think that you know people are going to realize they've been played because uh they're going to see that nothing changes under biden 
and that you know ultimately nothing changed under Trump either so I, I think we're in for a, a political realignment and I hope it's liberty versus authority instead of right versus left yeah and I think if, if, if any combination of two people could you know make a serious run at the duopoly I don't know that I could come up with a, a better combination um, you know if, if you had a Mosh and Gabbard together these are two people who day, day one when they're in the race when they get the nomination they have <coughs> built in millions of votes I mean, these are both national figures. I mean, if you look, let's say, Joe Jorgensen, how how many votes did she bring to the table on the day she was nominated? I don't know precisely what that number was, but she she had, you know, little to no name recognition, you know, 50,000 votes or something. She had to earn every single solitary vote she got almost. Um, Amash and Gabbard have fans all across this country, both of them. And, you know, the, the day they get the nomination, they already have millions of voters and they can already pull in millions of dollars in donations from the day they get the nomination. So, I mean, that's a game changer. Absolutely. Like, look at the two, what Amash did in the three weeks of the exploratory committee. Look at all the press he got when he was just like, hey, I'm looking at running for president. You know, like, when he actually runs a full, you know, primary uh, with the LP, not only, I, I hope, you know, I hope this, that not only will he, you know, probably get some media attention because he's probably going to be the front runner but it'll bring attention to the libertarian party in a way that we saw with you know like the disaster of a debate night that crashed joe's website you know um and i i can only think that once he gets the nomination and if if it is gabbard that comes on as his vp that's going to be an unavoidable media scrum to get after them i feel like um unless there's some really because if there if there isn't a whole lot of media scrum i think you'll see a lot of the grassroots people come up in arms and get so vocal about it that it'll be like uh, it may not be played on network tv or something like that but it'll be all over every little podcast every little video blog and every you know news source that's not tied to any of those major networks or anything and i think i think you're exactly right that just on name recognition alone um they're gonna have such a huge huge advantage uh over any other past um nominees uh gary johnson did well in 16 almost because he did you know he people had heard of him in 12 um and and i think that can only go further um and you were you were saying about joe's her twitter followers no i'm I'm just talking about like talking about matt the, the, the number of votes she brought in on day yeah. one like most people have never heard of her most people didn't know gotcha. her she wasn't a household name yeah um, Amash and Gabbard both have supporters all across this country that probably number in the millions between the two of them mm-hmm. yeah it definitely like if we're going like I was gonna say because I remember looking at it like in terms of in reference of Twitter numbers and I used to have it written down, but I think she started uh, when she got the nomination. I think she had like 10,000 or less followers. And I think by now, I think she's up to like over 100,000 just through her campaign. So definitely, and, and Amash has more than that by himself. So if you're looking at it with some, you know, you know Twitter numbers, like that's definitely a, a 
tangible yeah, way to see the difference right now. Twitter followers last week. Um, <laughs> so that's significant. Um, oh, and yeah. I think that, um, you know, what's encouraging about this is we're definitely not the only people thinking this. I mean, we would, we might have been some of the first and we were talking about this before it was kind of obvious, but the things that have been happening the last few weeks are making it more and more obvious that it totally makes sense and that it would work. And especially that, uh, Kibbe on Liberty video with Massey and Gabbard. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the, I, I saw the highlight. I didn't watch the, the whole thing, but I saw the one highlight what they were talking right at the end where she mentions Amash or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So if you watch the whole thing, it comes up like the mosh comes up like several times and the center of the conversation is how the three of them represent the change that we need in Washington because they're nonpartisan. They care about Liberty. They care about the constitution and they'll work together. And, um, you know, <laughs> watching Amash and Gabbard at the end with all the bills they've been introducing, um, and, you know, there have been, I think, Matt, you shared an article where the, some publisher was saying that they hope that they both run for president again. Uh, Jack yeah. Hunter talks about it. You know, Brad Palumbo really likes Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, yeah, I mean, so there's just like a ton of potential behind it. It's not just a fantasy. Um, and so if we can, you know, really get high profile people who agree with this behind it you know we can really do something and uh you know tulsi i don't know what she has planned she's talking about helping massey from the outside and that she and justin are going to be making a lot of noise i don't know if that means she's going to have a you know a talk show or, or what that means but regardless of what she does it doesn't cancel out the possibility of this you know it could actually coincide very well especially if she is doing something like a podcast or a talk show that can just bring more attention to these issues. That's a great complimentary um, asset to running for president again. Um, so I think people, you know, really need to, uh, people who, who see this, they really need to push for it because there's a lot of potential and it, it kind of just makes sense. And it's uh, not just a few people who are noticing that. Yeah, and I think even if you hear about this and it doesn't sit right with you or it gives you a bad taste or and I think I've actually mentioned this maybe close to word for word, but even if it doesn't sit well with you, it doesn't sound appealing, I think the biggest thing we can do is talk about it. You know, don't flame war somebody and then, you know, delegitimize them in your in your mind because they have this opinion on it. Like if you disagree, have some discourse about it, have some true discourse about it and get away from that combative you know negative like you're you're wrong i'm right mindset uh my team your team mindset and just have a conversation because you know if, if you have a conversation with them maybe you'll convince them in your way or maybe you'll see the appeal of what we're talking about but i think the biggest thing that has to happen and we we've, we've all kind of talked about it is talk about it like don't shut out the ideas like have a conversation about the ideas and meet on some grounds and even if you end up disagreeing completely it's a, it's a, a civility mindset you know don't don't 
wreck somebody and and just shut them out and, and demonize them just because yeah, they I have one, another one thing you disagree thing with. Is we need to reconstruct like kind of how we look at the issues because I, I you don't know how many times I've heard Gabbard is good on one issue and that's about it. <laughs> that drives me crazy because first of all, it's not true. But even if it were true, that one issue that you're talking about is really like a third of the issues. It's foreign policy is so huge and it affects fiscal policy. It affects um you know, prison reform, like, I mean, criminal justice reform, you think about all these cops who are veterans coming back from these foreign wars who are trained to kill people, and then they become police officers, and they have PTSD, Uh, you know, it fuels the drug war, I mean, it's such a huge issue, Um, but, you know, especially, like, with Gabbard, with, when I was working on her campaign, I basically thought, okay, she kind of sucks on, like, five issues, Uh, And then there's like 30 issues she's really good on. And people would just hear like healthcare and education and guns. And they'd be like, nope, it's over. It's done. Like, I disagree with her on those. So there's no reconciliation. And that's just like really dumb because um, we, I don't know, we put so much stress, uh, so much stress on a few issues. And we act as though that's the majority of the issues and we also act as though the president has control over those issues we kind of touched on that earlier um but i you know i I think it's important to look at the big picture and as i said earlier to realize that um when you're in these two parties it really taints who you are and especially on guns like uh you know being a democrat in hawaii it's actually pretty amazing how pro-gun she is you know she did she has signed onto some gun legislation that i'm not a fan of but she has abstained from a ton of anti-gun legislation that all the other democrats have voted for and she uh she has evolved on that issue so to realize that when you have someone who's a democrat from hawaii who is pretty pro-gun for a democrat you know that's important so just to realize the nuances and to uh you know open the open your mind a little bit and give someone a chance just because uh i feel like as libertarians we kind of break things down into four issues and you know they're things are a lot more complex than that i guess yeah I think uh, I think it really does just uh, people have to open up and and not shut people down because they agree with X um, because that kind of like if you go through life that way in general not even just politically like if you go through that way in life in general you're gonna not only miss out on things in general but you'll also really shut out people from your lives who could probably contribute in a positive way or you could contribute to in a positive way and i think that i think that's kind of the the cool thing about what we're talking about because it's it's political yeah it's, this is all po- you know politics and things like that but you know the thing that matt honestly brought a lot of perspective to me for matt was when we had our podcast episode is that how you should approach things politically should also influence how you should approach things in the real world and and how you 
you know, show that, show that kindness and that act out those libertarian principles and in everything you do and not just political, you know, well, legislation and political discussions. It should be like you, like we talk about a lifestyle. It should be how you engage with people and how you bring people into your life and make them better. The only thing you should do when you interact with somebody is make things better for them. It's not, uh, you should have this, this goal to never, you know, to, it's funny as it is like, don't, you know, embrace the nap in everything you do. Don't ever make something bad for somebody whenever you, when they leave a conversation with you, whether it's about pancakes or about gun laws. um, You know, I I think we kind of touched on it briefly. We don't need to get back into it all, but you know, the, the bumper stickers and the yard signs have, have never moved the needle for liberty at all. Ever. I mean, that's, you know, and, and I think, you know, sometimes I, I don't want to be criticizing people here, but, you know, we'll make a donation to a campaign for a sign in the front yard. And, you know, that's me doing my part. Well, there, there's a lot more you can be doing. Um, and I don't even mean in political activism. You know, that's what we were talking about. You know, you you, you can be bettering your community and doing it voluntarily. And that will more directly affect liberty in this country than any $25 donation and a bumper sticker. Yep. Well, I think we're getting to a point where we can kind of wrap up. Uh, Read last final words, tag yourself, whatever. So my final final thoughts is um, taglines and whatnot. I'm just going to go off my last thing that I was saying. Like if you disqualify Tulsi for those few issues, um, a libertarian could disqualify Rand Paul because he doesn't believe in open borders. He doesn't believe that all drugs should be legal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you cut out there, read. That, yeah, you cut out there for a second. A purist approach, and you can make anybody into not a libertarian. So, just try to look at things through a more complex lens um and yeah um follow me on youtube the naturalist capitalist follow me on twitter at reed coverdale uh i'm always causing a stir over there as you guys can attest so uh catch me there it'll be fun thanks for having me on again sam yes sir uh yeah real quick thanks for having me on again Um, Anyone can find me on Twitter at Liberty Empathy. Um, a real quick question for both of you before we go. Um, the elephant in the room that is the uh, Libertarian Party's nominating uh, process, I think Amash winning the nomination for president would probably be pretty easy. But uh, before we go, what do you guys think needs to happen for the LP to nominate Gabbard as the VP? That seems a tougher sell. Um, I think I'll take the first stab at this read. Um, I think it's one of two things. We got four years. Um, ideally, um, Tulsi takes a strategic approach, and I, I think it's almost inevitable that she's going to leave the DNC. Um, obviously, she doesn't want to show herself as, and this is an ideal situation. She doesn't want to just like be a jump ship type person, kind of how Amash left and stayed independent for a while and then joined the LP. Um, I would hope in an ideal situation that 
know, she leaves the DNC, kind of reveals her, you know, her true libertarian heart in a lot of ways. You know, if that's if that's um, really where she is, um, and then prior to, you know, even 2023, you know, maybe early 2023, like actually joins the LP and starts uh, actively joining, and she gets it that way. Um, that's a long shot. That's you know probably not as likely as what we had hoped in terms of. Uh, maybe some of the action that Amash is taking, and I've heard he's working close with uh, uh, Joe Bishop Hinchman um, on things, and maybe nomination process is part of that. Um, maybe that's a path that he sees forward, and, and Reed, I, Reed and I has he, have even talked about um, what if you know the, the Libertarian Party would just hand over this is also extremely unlikely, but uh, hand over their their ballot access to you know a unity ticket like Mosh Gabbard. But um, I think there's there's a lot of time to figure out what that path is, um, and there's some very hopeful ones that would be easier, but they all have their yeah. Own so I'm gonna. Would say a, probably a less popular opinion, but I actually think if they both ran, that they would both be on the ticket in the Libertarian Party just because of name recognition. I mean, I think Justin Amash would have been the nominee this last time, um, you know, just because of name recognition. Um, I do think that if Tulsi also ran, that they they would both end up on the ticket. Uh, but even if that's not the case, um, I agree with your. You know, I agree with you. We have a lot of time, and um, I think there's time for things to evolve. And I, I you know, as far as the unity, uh, the articles of unity goes, um, it seems like uh, it makes more sense at this point for them to try to influence the Libertarian Party than for them to, you know, choose the ticket and then expect the Libertarians to go along with it, because I, I don't think that, you know, the more I've thought about that, I don't think that makes quite as much sense anymore. But, um, yeah, there's lots of time, and I agree, you know, I think it's pretty inevitable that Tulsi's leaving the Democrats, and um, I hope she doesn't decide to go Republican. If she wants to do that, she should talk to Ron Paul and you know, see how Republicans treat anti-war candidates. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think we should be actively courting her, trying to get her to come our way. And I think, um, I, I think there's a lot of potential if she does. No, no, just want to hear your guys' Matt, thoughts. You and uh, thanks for having me on. Just leaving it there. No problem, man. All right. You guys know who I am. Um, find me at not the bro on uh, Twitter. And I finally embraced it. I'm going to take the mask off, guys. I am the Libertarian from the past. I've changed my name. It is now actually the Libertarian again on Twitter. Mask is off. The charade is over. <laughs> um, but you guys out there, thanks for listening. Stay smart. Stay safe. Have a great weekend.